Hello and welcome to Autoholics Anonymous by the Autoholic. I'm Stephen Diamond. This week I am here with not Ryan, but my brother Aaron. Say hi, Aaron. You've been on the podcast before, but it's been a while since uh, we've had you on. Yeah, it's been a long time, actually. Uh, it's nice to be back. Yeah, thanks for joining and filling in for Ryan. Ryan is off gallivanting um, in actual Mexico this week. Um, and when I say gallivanting, uh, I think he wishes he was gallivanting. He's actually working quite hard and is uh, kind of not able to or not willing to come on the podcast this week. He's a busy businessman. And he has other better things to do. So we'll have you on instead. We can have two brothers banter about cars, right? Yeah. It's not like we don't do that all the time anyways. Right. Let's just hope it's uh, entertaining. A little more more concise this time. (laughs) Yeah, we'll do our best. But if anyone, um, I'm recording this uh, just after Mercedes-Benz kind of released the interior of the new E-Class Mercedes, and their new hyperscreen format, which comes from or comes out of uh, the EQS, which won a bunch of awards, um, you know, for the in the EV class in terms of technology and everything. And it looks like a great car, but I'm just scared and fearful, and I don't like how all this technology is coming into kind of the standard cars. Um, Basically, if you don't know the hyperscreen, it's this whole new layout and format for the dash of Mercedes, where the whole thing is pretty much a screen. You got the screen that has digital tax, digital speedometers, readout. You have the center console, which is all touchscreen for the most part. Uh, Maybe 80 to 90% are actually physical buttons that you can touch. And then now, as a passenger, it is an option. As a passenger, you have the option to get a screen in front of you in the front and do various activities on that. Um, and I won't say exactly what activities you can do on it yet because I want to get into that, but I just want to talk about the general principle about having a screen in front of the passenger. Um, as many of the listeners might know, I have a W123 Mercedes. Uh, and on the Instagram account posted today, a comparison of those two dashboards. And I love the old E-Class Mercedes dashboards. Aaron, you had a W124 as well, and that was a lovely dash configuration. So simple, so analog, and it doesn't distract from the experience of driving the car. And now it just seems that we need all these distractions from actual driving and from our surroundings. And there's no the emphasis is on the wrong place. Have we completely lost our attention spans and, and, and can't just drive a car and enjoy being present? Well, I think, that, I mean, you can look at technology and the way that it's advanced, that now things are more screens or touch screens in comparison to early 2000s and previous, which were a lot more button oriented. Mm-hmm. And we can even talk about the pot of the the point of how a lot of vehicles have gone more touchscreen versus actual buttons for certain things. And certain cars 
may be more of that touchscreen generalization than others. Uh, for example, how the hyperscreen was first debuted in the EQS, which is an electric car. Other cars that come to mind that have put the priority on touchscreens or no buttons, I guess you could say, are the Volkswagen ID4 or ID3, I think both of them. Uh, are every single thing, every, there are no buttons. Everything is a touch capacitive button or a touchscreen. Yeah, no, but I, you know, those are both electric cars, and I feel like uh, electric, it's an electric car, it is a piece of technology. I even just recently watched Matt Farah's uh, video, The Sm Smoking Tire, did uh, a road trip in his Mach-E and talked about it, and it, it is a piece of technology. It's less a car, it is a piece of technology. And it's an appliance. If, Right. It's a glorified high-tech appliance. And you expect it to do these things quite well because we compare it to all of our other electronic appliances, but that doesn't mean it necessarily does or replaces what a car does well. Um, but he had issues with the, the touchscreen on that Mach-E. He mentioned that CarPlay doesn't work particularly well on it. Um, but the other functionality of the screen is pretty good. And I think it makes sense to have a big touch screen and minimal buttons for for electric cars because it is kind of the future. They're supposed to be a little bit more out there, more ahead of their time, and a, and a big departure from the current model of car that we know, which has historically been a lot of buttons and more buttons as there have been more options available on cars. There's more technology available. There's more things that cars can actually do or we have put into cars. But I also will say in regard to how you view, oh, an electric car is more of a piece of technology than a standard gas or diesel car. So it should have touchscreens and this kind of, uh, how would you say, apply? I guess appliance or higher technology than a standard car would why can't a standard car being gas diesel not uh, why can't one of a uh, standard car have as they are putting it in the e-class a touchscreen no i like mean full like why can't it well uh, i'm not saying I don't like it, is what I'm saying. I, I understand the direction of why you think they're it, doing it. I, I understand. I see the trend. I don't like the trend. You know, a lot of the technology, obviously, it's like a concept. The, the technology and everything gets put into the electric vehicles, and some of that is going to trickle down into the old school vehicles until we are fully electric and all the range is there. So I get why they're doing it, but I think that it's it's pushing a segment of their market out and it's making them like less comfortable. Obviously, there's a lot of old geezers who are probably tootling around in their E-classes still. And how many old geezers are going to want to jump into the new E-class? And it's probably not a lot. They're probably going to be pretty disappointed and confused by the the menu and everything and 
you know, I was watching a Throttle House review uh, today on they reviewed all the super saloons of Mercedes, Audi and BMW, the S class. And they really did like the infotainment system in the S class um, as being kind of nice and conducive to use. So that's great to hear. I, you know, I have not had any experience using the Mercedes new infotainment system. Um, and maybe without the buttons, it's great. And I'm, I'm fine with the center console being it. Sure. The dash where your speedometer is okay, fine. You know, we've lost analog speedometers for a few years now and only on more sport oriented cars have they kept analog dials. But I, I guess my big issue is now this passenger screen thing is that how bored or how much catering do you really need to do to children or whoever your passenger is? Is the enjoyment of driving the car really that bad these days that you need to give someone the ability to stream TikTok or play Angry Birds or do all these things? And this is the thing that additional passenger screen does. It has games, it's there for entertainment, nothing else, but just to distract or entertain the person on a drive. We used to play car bingo. We made up our own games growing. Yeah, you look out the window, you, you pay attention to what's going on around you as you're driving. Um, but I mean, even still, you just said, oh, we made up games and we played games to keep ourselves distracted while we were on long drives. Well, this is the same thing. They're, playing games but now it's not on their phone it's now on the car um and that will go your point to the passenger screen just look at the new bmw 7 series and the i7 it's got what a 30 something inch screen that can fold down in the back it's literally like a movie theater that's yeah. it's a limousine with a movie theater in the back now so to your point of, oh, why can't we give it, it? Are we distracting people in the passenger seat or are we entertaining people who are in the back seat? I mean, back in the early 2000s, they would put TVs in the rear headrests. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I understood that. And you saw that a lot in like minivans and things like that. So I understand if you're you're carrying around kids uh, and you want to keep them entertained. Sure, this is the front seat, so most of the time you're probably not going to have your young child up there. They're probably still going to be in the back. So whoever's sitting up front is going to be a young adult or a fully grown adult. And, you know, they're not, you know, are they really not willing to sit around? And, yeah, they're likely playing on their phone these days, but how much use are they going to really get from this, additional screen and and i just hate the idea that car companies these days feel like they need to make this an option and make this available it's a little gimmicky it is and and i understand on the ev side that's kind of part of the fun of an ev is that it is a giant screen it's a giant piece of tech and you want to flaunt what it can do like the teslas you can play all these different games and tetris or whatever um I still haven't driven a, a Model 3, so I wouldn't know. But, um, you know, you can play all these games, and I think it makes sense in that capacity. But for an old-school person, 
who still drives a traditional gas-powered car, they haven't switched to an EV most likely for a reason. And now all those reasons are creeping into their choice of car. And because technology is advancing and now they have the, these, uh, say, like Apple CarPlay and stuff available? Well, Apple CarPlay is great. It's fantastic. It's useful. It, it kind of it coordinates and and abridges the the experience and simplifies it to what is mostly essential and makes whatever usefulness from your phone capable on a screen that is not as distracting as looking down as, at your phone while driving, which is extremely dangerous and it's sickening how many people actually do that these days. Um, but, you know, I'm just coming from an, uh, a soapbox of, a, of an old millennial uh, who appreciates the simpler things in life and uh, the old E-Class that I have. When I, ha you know, I have five, six buttons on my dash that <laughs> control which way the air blows, if it blows at all. And, and yeah, turning on my rear defroster and uh yeah that's that's basically it like it's that simple i barely have to take off my eyes from the road to press these buttons because they're simple they're big they're tangible and i yeah. have muscle memory where i can i know where they are like yeah, all these and screens you have to go through sub menus this and that and that's that's distracting well there's more there's more things available for a car to do yeah, I, I mean, there's a couple things that I want to touch upon that you kind of mentioned in regards to what it, the, the the screens versus the buttons argument is. A, cars do a lot more than they did 10 years ago. So and even 10 years ago, I remember when the Panamera came out. And I, I was I had a Panamera at my shop today and you look at it and there's. One thing that uh, car uh, magazines, uh, journalists wrote about was Panamera came out and it had so many buttons. There's tons of buttons in the early 2000s Panamera and the Cayenne. It's and that's because the cars had the cars had so much technology and could do so many things that the we didn't have the technology to have these full touchscreens yet. So you had all these buttons. Now that we have these touchscreens, you can have multiple menus. Yes, things can get glitchy and you have to go through multiple menus to change your seat settings, which is annoying instead of just putting a button on your seat. But I think the world is kind of moving that way and is so rapidly moving that way that we kind of have to slowly adapt to that. Here's my other B point to kind of pull you off your soapbox, so to speak. <laughs> You mentioned that you have, I mean, I know you have your 300D. Everything in that thing is analog. Buttons everywhere. You can reach the, the like the radio. In your 911, you updated the system from a standard radio to a radio that is now touchscreen with Apple CarPlay capacity. So you added a screen to a vehicle that is very analog. That's fair. Is is it very useful? Yes. So much so. Right. Now, I'm not playing so birds on it. <laughs> no, but it's still Apple CarPlay and you can still do a lot on it. And it's right. still and I think that's very, great. 
Now, would you, it's kind of that split world of ease of access and usability of having modern technology, such as something like Apple Car, uh, CarPlay or Android Auto versus the old or cars like your 123 that if you, you can't really put Apple CarPlay in there without it looking really awkward. And I don't want it in there. And there's right. a reason why, you know, I just feel like there's no escape from screens. We're on our phones all day. We're in front of a laptop all day. Why, if, you know, if I didn't live in New York City and I had a traditional commute, if I owned a new E-Class, why do I want to get into my car, drive home and be in front of three more screens? That just seems depressing to me. Like, there's no escape, and and it's scary to think that in the future, our only escape from screens will be these older cars that we have to maintain and have to keep going because technology is just going to fo follow us everywhere, and and that's just a little scary and frustrating to me. And I and I think it's a great, I think it's good in some aspects and bad in other ones. Obviously, there's a lot of advantages to technology, like you said, having Apple CarPlay. Yes, I put it in my Porsche 911, um, which did have an aftermarket radio in there that wasn't the nicest. So it this did, actually it makes was outdated. it look a little the bit more OEM. The aftermarket radio was outdated. Right. And the aftermarket radio was replaced, replaced the original radio, which was outdated at the time of when, we, of when it was purchased. Right, because it still had a tape. Yes. <laughs> 1999 Porsche 911 had a tape player. I mean, yeah. my Buick Century from 2001 had a tape player. Um, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have to kind of, you draw that you're running on that thin line of classic car or, I can't believe I would say a Buick Century from 2001 would be a classic car, but it's now 22 years old. You have to update technology to kind of keep up with the world around you. So going back to the initial point of should these screens, whether it's driver's screen plus passenger or just the driver kind of main center console, migrate its way from just electric cars to your standard gas and diesel cars. It, it, it kind of has to. Because we're moving that way, if we're moving towards the world of electric cars, I'll, I will. I'm playing devil's advocate in this because I, I I like certain electric cars, but I don't like other electric cars. And are, we're moving that way towards that kind of a car is an appliance type of mentality. Electric cars, way of the future. However, if you wanted to believe that. So everything else kind of has to move in that same direction. So to migrate that technology over to the E-Class, is it, it, it's, a, it's just, it, it makes sense. Yeah. No, I Even get though it. it might not be like the nicest, it's not your W123 anymore. I, yeah, and nor has it for, for the last 20, you know, maybe 15 years really, because the early 2000 Mercedes were still pretty analog. Um, no, I get it. Look, and, and it's, a, it's a flex for them. They have to show off what they're capable of. 
And obviously, if it did well in the EQS and their electric vehicles, then it probably will do well in their standard vehicles. I'm just not a big fan of it. Um, and I think there's a balance. There's a line in the sand. Um, often when, when I'm watching Throttle House review cars and they go into the interior of the car and they kind of review the layout of everything, uh, a big focus of them is a balance of buttons and screen where there are yeah. certain items that you would want to still be physical buttons that are reachable, tangible, and accessible. Excuse any loud motorcycle noises in the background, but um, reachable so that you don't have to go through menu on menu to find simple things that you want, like adjusting the temperature in the car or changing the seat settings. Or I was watching. I don't think any are seat settings really in screens these days. Yes, actually, uh, the ID4, I believe the way you can move your seat is you have to go into the central screen to move your seat fore and aft. Uh, which is a little ridiculous in my opinion. And the only reason why they did that is because they wanted that car to be as clean as possible. Right. Even goes the door handle is a capacitive touch button. Uh, and that goes to, I was watching a throttle house video and they said, I forgot what car, maybe it was a Kia or a Mazda. They said that, oh, they made all these, everything on the dash is a touch button like touch capacitive button. It's not a physical button. It's something that either has haptic feedback or you have to just press it and it lights up or something. Every button, including something that most people don't think is necessarily a very important button, but if it doesn't work, you could probably be in a lot of trouble, which is the hazard button. Mm. You, uh, Why would you make the hazard switch a touch capacitive button? it's an important switch to like let people know that something is wrong. If that button fails, now you can't let people know something is wrong with you, <laughs> your car and what, and something with like you have to be, it's something needs to be fixed. So if that doesn't work, you're stuck. It was, it's actually in the new seven series. It's also a touch hazard button and it lights up the entire dash Oh yeah, it's just the it, blinking it, of the, it, yeah, it has, creates a blinking. Yeah, I think that's kind of cool. Instead of, I mean, the number of times I've been sat on the side of the road with my hazards on, you just hear the the blinkers going tick 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 tick. Right. Usually on on somewhat modern, you know, on all cars, it you see the the button will light up. Even my W one two three, there's a little light behind. Yeah, that's always been the way it is. That you, you know, you pressed it, but. It's cool how they advanced that to be uh, more uh, of an experience. Entertaining? <laughs> yeah, entertaining and part of the experience. Um, if you're stuck on the side of the road in your BMW 7 Series, you can watch your dash light up in a dance. <laughs> back and forth, back and forth. This orange-amber glow will go back and forth as you sit on the side of the highway with a flat instead of right. sitting there listening to your... Yeah, because you're, you're driving with... Uh, you have really low profile tires and too big of wheels um, and modern cars nowadays don't come with a spare that's another topic <laughs> yeah, that's something for another day i want to round out this conversation on the screen by just saying there's one company that i think does the passenger screen well where i think it makes sense and this is maybe in limited capacity but ferrari has the passenger screen option which is minimal it's like a little bar 
but you can run through a couple options on that. But it's all related to bringing the passenger into the experience of the car. It brings you inward or part of the a part of being more present with the drive rather than distracting from the drive. You can see RPM, speed, uh, you know, throttle, uh, like G forces, things like that. Um, obviously, some other basic things like radio and, and and you know other kind of necessities or things that add to the experience or just makes it nicer for the passenger. And I think that's yeah, a really good application of a passenger screen. It's entertaining as a driver's car. Now you're entertaining the passenger because as you're scaring them going zero to 60 in three seconds, the passenger can now watch that zero to 60 on an LED screen in front of like an LED things light up. And to go off of that with the passenger screen, I think Ferrari does has this cap capability as well as someone else I don't know exactly, but to have the passenger have control over certain things that normally the driver would control, like the radio, uh, air conditioning, venting, certain things like that. Whereas we're creating all these screens in cars nowadays, but still a lot of certain vehicles will have them still more catered towards the driver. Screens would be canted towards the driver so they can see them better. It's not so easy for a passenger, say, to reach over and hit these these touch screens because it might as a touch screen, if you got bright sunlight, you're not really going to see it all that well anyways, if it's cantered away from you. So to have a passenger specific screen that allows the passenger to control things that the driver would normally want to control or you or the passenger would have to reach over to control on the center console, possibly distracting the driver. It's now front and center for the passenger to use, which I think is a great idea. Yeah. So I, Ferrari yeah. has that with the, the change of the radio and stuff like that. They don't have to reach over and hit any buttons on the center console. It's right there in front of them. Right. And especially on these sport cars, sports cars, like you said, you know, it's they are more geared towards the driver because that's the main point is to entertain the driver. They're the one getting the value and the experience of. of it's for of, the driver to it's driver focused so that the driver has ease of access to all this information and whatever they need to, to click. Right. And and the most extreme example that comes to my mind is, you know, the current generation of the Corvette, where it's a whole cockpit, really, that is geared towards the driver. Yes. And as a passenger, you feel so secluded and separate from the driver. You feel like you're a mile away from them because there's this huge wall of the center console and it comes up pretty high and it's pretty thick. And then the whole gauge center um, dash um, is is angled at like 30 degrees to the driver. Towards the driver. Yep. Yeah. So as a passenger, it's making it a bit extreme, but it is a little bit cumbersome to go change buttons. You have to put in more effort, and that might be even more distracting for the, the driver to have you reach over and, and change things on that. So I think the Corvette could benefit to what you're saying. As the new C8 Corvette, there. I've actually sat in one because I had a customer in the shop that had one, and 
I will say it's a great design in the way that everything is focused towards the driver. I think there's a little bit, oddly enough, too many buttons the way that they have them organized along that spine. But if you didn't know, that whole design of having everything kind of cockpit-wise cantered towards, angled towards the driver. Are you going to say what I think you're going to say? It's from the original Stingray. If you didn't know that, it's from the original Stingray, from the late 60s, 70s Stingray, I believe, is they had that same kind of style cockpit. You sit in the passenger seat of an older Stingray, you're, it's a passenger seat, you're along for the ride. The entire dashboard kind of wraps around, comes down along the side for the driver. Same, same kind of design that this new C8 does. And that's what they pulled from. And a lot of people forget about that. Mm. I thought you were going to say Saab. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because the whole plane. I, I mean, there are actually a lot more companies that that Saab. have, uh, in terms of dash layouts, organized it primarily for the driver. Uh, 90s Toyota Supra. That oh, thing God. is oh, totally yeah. wrapped towards the driver. There's nothing for the passenger. Yeah. Uh, 90s Nissan 300ZX. That's the same thing. I, a buddy of mine used to have one and uh, everything, all the turn signals and all the switches, switch gear was right there, literally in, like inches from your fingertips on the steering wheel. Right. So that you didn't have to move your hands off the wheel to, to hit a blinker or change a switch on the dash or whatever. So cars have been i mean those are sports cars i guess you could say but i know saab has kind of had it organized towards the driver alfa romeo same thing with the 164 and i think the the one another one i I don't remember um is a little bit organized towards the driver so maybe now with these bigger screens and everything that might be more focused towards the driver so the driver has access to it giving the passenger a screen seems like sure here you go you can entertain yourself see what's going on you can control things like the radio and climate control or i don't know the screen in the back or change the light color in the on the dash or whatever hit the hazard switch it's all kind of yeah, let every it's going to entertain the passenger while letting the driver still focus on the road i guess so especially well at night if he can even see with all the blaring lights in his face from all these screens and, and you know ambient lighting i mean but. that's a that's another thing and i think touch screens in general have gotten a lot better nowadays that the lights aren't as blinding I'm still of the the camp that I don't want any lights in my cockpit or in my on my dash. I mean, as it is, it's like I drive a Saab. It has a night panel, uh, which shuts off almost every single non-essential gauge completely black so that you can see and you can focus on where you're uh, kind of where you're going or what you're doing. That goes back to aviation because they have that for planes mm-hmm. so that and when you sit in the cockpit of a plane you're literally looking at gauges 
Right. Like that's all it is. So all this light and all this information is coming forward, coming towards you. On long flights, you want to just switch some things off so it darkens and you can kind of see what's important. Right. No, I think it's a, it's a really cool, great feature, and I I love you know my W one two three how simple that is. I think one of my dash lights is actually out, so I only have one little, and it's an analog light bulb that shines on you know the 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 dials analog gauges uh, not backlit really so uh it, it's very unobtrusive uh and you have a slight glow from like the radio and and from behind the buttons and it's a very peaceful place to be at night on a long journey um and you know the the 911 the older 911s do very well with the nice amber color as well their bmws have nice amber glow um to their dials maybe a little bit more obtrusive with with that coloring um but yeah i mean i would just say to any modern manufacturers and new cars i think take a book if you're gonna make if you're gonna make all these screens and everything at least give people the option to turn them off you know take (laughs) take a book out of Saab's, you know model and give us a night panel you know Give us a quick, easy option. Give us one physical button that is night panel and turn off all most of the lights that at night you can drive peacefully and enjoy. You know, that's that's the one thing. That's the one caveat I have. Until you have to change your seat settings and then you have to turn them all back on. Oh, yeah, that's just stupid. I hope that's <laughs> not a trend for the future that your seat adjustment is within a menu of some sorts. Uh, I think we can still have physical buttons on the side of a seat. But I think with that moral of the story of if we're going to have screens, have a night panel. Uh, I think that's a good place to to wrap up. That's have, so- the option, have the option of shutting things off when you want to and yeah. still have the ability to do the need the uh, have access to the necessities of driving a car in a car uh, at the same time would be a nice thing going forward and to have it accessible to both driver and passenger. Yeah, and have the passenger be part of the experience. There are great things about screens and technology um, and great have a little fluff entertainment, play Angry Birds, but I guess give us an option to turn it off. Um, or it's an optional screen, so just don't spec it on your car. Who knows if most dealers will choose to have that spec. I bet they will. Um, but we shall see, and maybe one day I will drive one and experience one um, and play Angry Birds alongside a driver. Um, but thank you, for Aaron, for listening to my soapbox on modern technology and the E-Class. That isn't my E-Class anymore. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks for joining tonight and uh, filling in for Ryan. Maybe we'll just let three of us on uh, together to catch up more about what you've been up to. I know you've been selling a lot of cars on like Facebook Marketplace and stuff, so we'd love to chat with you at some point on that. Yeah, definitely. Would nice to be. It's nice to be back and ramble on about cars and stuff. For a little while and yeah, that's that's why we're here autoholics anonymous <laughs> doing a public service to all the car folk out there 
Well, thanks again, Aaron, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.